Good morning, Gold Avenue Church family and friends. This is Pastor Jalisa, and this morning we're continuing to work through our Go and Make Disciples Gospel Tool sermon series. We're on Thought Unit 16, and we'll be reading from Matthew 1, 18 to 25. But before we read, let's pray. Father God in heaven, we thank you for the gift of rest. We thank you for Sabbath, for your command and invitation to rest in you. And so, Lord, as we um, as we rest in you, as we approach your word, we ask that you, Holy Spirit, would equip, anoint, and empower the preaching of your word and the hearing of your word. God, we thank you that your word tells us about who you are and who you made us to be and how that all works out. And so, Lord, as we enter your word today, would you reveal more of yourself to us? And would you draw us nearer and closer into relationship with you? In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to start by reading from Matthew 1. And as you find that passage in your Bible, as you might be thinking, Pastor Jalisa, this is the Christmas story, and it's spring, and you're right, (laughs) but it's always a good time to celebrate and to learn more about the reality that Jesus came to earth. And so here we go from Matthew 1, we're going to start at verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And then from Thought Unit 16 of the Gospel Tool, Jesus models and stays in relationship with the Father. In the fullness of time, Jesus, the Messiah, began to do all that was prophesied about him. God the Son became human. Jesus is fully human and yet still fully divine. Reversing the pattern of our first parents, Adam and Eve, Jesus lived the life we were created for. 
He modeled perfect trust, loving submission, and intimate union with God the Father. As most of you know, my husband Brendan has been deployed with the Army since last April. So that means that for over a year now, I've been living alone in our house that could probably be described as a bit of a fixer-upper. Now, between being alone and also with COVID limiting social opportunities and outings and things like that, I've been super motivated to do some projects around the house. I love HGTV and I love Pinterest and I have some really great hopes and dreams for our home. Throughout the year, I've done some painting and some repairing and I was even ambitious enough to start doing some demo work. But... I quickly learned that home improvement is not one of my natural God-given talents. I can watch YouTube videos and I can read through tutorials and that's all really helpful, but I'm still pretty lost. I don't know a lot about the basics of construction. I'm not sure when I'm supposed to use a nail or when I'm supposed to use a screw, and I'm not sure which product to use on what. I cannot for the life of me figure out why a two by four board does not actually measure two inches by four inches. It makes no sense to me. I'd been so hopeful when I started all this that I could figure it all out and that I could DIY all my projects by myself. But the truth is that I simply cannot finish what I've started all by myself. And though my home improvement dilemma is really small potatoes compared to so many problems in our world, I don't know about you, but I really hate feeling like I don't understand. And I really don't like feeling stuck and like I'm powerless to figure things out. The reality is, I need someone to help me. Now, I'd imagine that if we could have a conversation with Jesus' father, Joseph, he might have a few things to say about feeling stuck, powerless, and needing help. The scripture that we just read is our first official biblical introduction to Joseph. And at this point in his life, Joseph is a young man with his whole life ahead of him. He's a righteous man, and his family has worked hard to secure him a perfect fiancé named Mary. The plan for their wedding has been put into into motion. Mary is planning a wedding, and she's in this season of preparing to leave her father's household and to become Joseph's wife. Joseph is in the process of building a home and a life for his young bride. And though there hasn't been this wedding day yet, Joseph and Mary are legally tied, and they are both eagerly awaiting the day when they'll say, I do. But then, tragedy strikes. Somehow, Joseph gets wind that his perfect, pure bride that he's building a home for is pregnant. And he had nothing to do with it. We tend to gloss over this part of the story because we know how our Christmas story ends But let's not miss the reality that at this moment, 
This is one of the most tragic, shameful things that could ever happen to a young Jewish couple living in this context. I'd imagine that all of Joseph's hopes and his dreams came crashing down. There's such disappointment, confusion, and sadness. What happened? There would be no perfect wedding. Everything that Joseph's life had been leading up to was over. He's legally tied to an unclean woman bearing a child that is not his. Now Joseph is a good man, and so instead of bringing public shame on Mary, he can try to quietly sever their agreement. But Joseph's really stuck, and there's nothing that he can do to undo what happened or make anything right for Mary or for himself in this moment. And as if that weren't bad enough, Joseph's personal predicament isn't the only issue that he faces. Joseph is the son of a man named Jacob, and Jacob comes from the line of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and another dreamer named Joseph. Joseph is the offspring of the line of King David. Joseph is Israelite royalty, and yet he is living as a carpenter. He lives in the city of Nazareth, which is in Israel, but this promised land that his forefathers had ruled over now sits crushed under the thumb of the evil King Herod and Roman occupation. The God who had made his covenant with Abraham, who had spoken to Moses on Mount Sinai and rescued the people from Egypt, the God who had led his people in pillars of cloud and fire and who had hovered over the tabernacle and dwelled in the temple. The God who put David on the throne and had promised to establish his kingdom forever. That God had been seemingly missing in action for centuries. Joseph and the rest of his people were desperately waiting for their God to speak. For God to send the Messiah that he had promised. For God to save them from the Romans and to save them from the sins that had cost them everything. They're showing up for sacrifices. They're following the laws of Moses to the letter. They've been dotting their I's and crossing their T's and trying to do anything they can to undo their sins. Trying to earn God's favor. But nothing has changed for hundreds of years. They're stuck and they're powerless. And though scripture doesn't say it, I'd imagine that some of them were starting to wonder if their God hadn't abandoned them altogether. And even now, centuries later, as we look around, it can be so tempting for us to believe that God has given up on us too. That he's just missing an action. We read the news and we look around and we think, oh my goodness, where is God in all of this? 
Where is God in the face of this pandemic that has taken hundreds of thousands of lives? Where is God in constant division and senseless violence, in riots? Where is God in global persecution, in fatal illness, in chronic depression? Where is God in unmet hopes and expectations? Where is he when our hearts are broken? Where is God when our world is crashing down and all we feel is stuck, powerless, and alone? God promised long ago that he would always be with his people. And as we read earlier, God did not leave Joseph alone with his broken heart and his turmoil and stuckness. Matthew rolls through the story pretty quickly, but I can't even begin to imagine what must have gone through Joseph's mind and emotions during and after this dream. Joseph had gone to bed after making this terrible horrific, difficult decision that he'd have to quietly separate himself from Mary. He'd have to start all over new plans, hopes and dreams and likely a new wife. And who know, who knew what would happen to Mary as an unwed mother in an unforgiving culture? Joseph probably had a fitful sleep, but it was soon interrupted by something miraculous. An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel says. Now don't miss this. The angel is reminding Joseph of who he is and what that means. In calling Joseph the son of David, the angel is reminding Joseph of the promises and the inheritance that God had made to his people all those years ago. Joseph, son of David, royal one to whom I am covenanted. Do not be afraid to marry Mary. Listen, Mary didn't step out on you and nothing unholy happened. Her baby was conceived by the Holy Spirit. This is it. This is the moment that you and your people have been watching and waiting for. You and Mary, you're going to have the son of God and you're going to be his father on this earth and you are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Can you imagine What's going through Joseph's mind? He hadn't lost Mary. He hadn't lost his hopes and dreams. He wasn't stuck or alone. And neither were his people. As Matthew makes clear, the angel of the Lord was announcing the fulfillment of the prophecy given by Isaiah so many years ago. 
The virgin would conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. God with us. Joseph and Mary were going to bring the Savior of the world into the world. Sin had long since separated God from his people. Coachless teams don't win championships and leaderless armies don't typically win wars. A people without a God don't make it very far. But God was coming to be with his people. He hadn't abandoned them. He hadn't forgotten his promises. God's people would no longer be alone. He was coming. And if God was coming, so too was the kingdom that he had promised, the goodness that he promised, and the glory that he promised. God was coming to comfort and to heal, to protect, to deliver, to establish his kingdom and to make his name great. Jesus, Emmanuel, God would be with them. People need leadership. They need fathers. They need love. They need help. Last weekend, I needed a lot of help. I had ripped apart a closet, hoping to build in a bench and some shelves. But as I noted before, I am not Joanna Gaines. I don't, I don't know how to do home improvement very well. So there I was with shamrock green walls, ripped up carpet, battered baseboards, and no clue what to do next. I was stuck. But then I called my dad. My dad came over and he took me to the Home Depot and he showed me what we'd need. He spent hours measuring and cutting and nailing and explaining things to me. I learned so much. I've got so many other ideas now and I feel empowered to accomplish them with his help. Now I know that this is just a closet. But it's amazing what not being alone can do for a person. And it's amazing what the love of a father can do for a person. To a lot of people in this world today, and even within the church, God is this lofty, distant, irrelevant pie in the sky that has very little to do with our day-to-day lives or our own problems. Emmanuel is a word we sing in a Christmas song, but it is not necessarily our state of being or awareness. And yet, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is the reality that God, our Heavenly Father, is with us. Joseph and Mary had the benefit of holding Jesus in their arms. The disciples got to look him in the eye, watch him heal, and hear him speak. They looked on as Jesus showed them what it was to live an intimate relationship with God the Father. He modeled to a nation of orphans what it was to be a beloved son of the Most High God. 
You and I don't get to sit down and have dinner with Jesus in the flesh. But in John 16, when Jesus tells his disciples that he would soon be leaving this earth, he said something really important. In John 16, 7, he says, but very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. The advocate that Jesus refers to, that friend, that helper, that's the Holy Spirit. And somehow Jesus says that that advocate is better than Jesus in physical form. It is better that we have his Holy Spirit. Jesus is seated at the right hand of God the Father, but his Holy Spirit lives in all who call on his name. And when he left this earth, Jesus promised to never leave or forsake his people. He promised to always be Emmanuel, to be God with us to the end of the age. And his spirit is with us. His spirit unites us with him and with our father in heaven who rules over all. Do you know what that means? It means that when we're afraid, God is with us. He promises that he is for us and good to us in all things. When we feel stuck, God is with us and promises to be the way maker. When we're in need, God is with us and promises to provide all our needs according to his glorious riches. When we're brokenhearted or we don't understand, God is with us and he promises to comfort us, to guide us and to teach us. When our plans fall apart, God is with us and he assures us that his plans are better. When we're tempted, God is with us and promises to help us overcome. When we're tired, God is with us and promises us his strength. When we feel rejected and unloved, God is with us. He loves us with an everlasting love. We are never stuck. We are never powerless and we are never alone. We have a perfect father and he is with us. In our story for this morning, God invited Joseph to be a father. And this morning, I believe God is inviting us to be children to be his children. Now, in order for me to get help from my dad, I had to call him. I had to ask. Jesus made a point of being with his father. He went away and he was still before him. Jesus asked his father for what he needed. Fathers like to be called. They like to be invited to help. Fathers like to be asked questions and be given space to share their wisdom. Good fathers love to just be with and delight in their children. What do you need from your father today? As you look around, what questions do you have for him? What things do you want to say? And when is the last time that you just spent time in your father's presence? 
friends, today, this week, and I mean really from now on, let's live as those who know and live into the reality that Jesus, Emmanuel, God, our good, good Father, is always with us. Amen.